Atmosphere Church podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. If you need prayer or just someone to talk with, please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church. Someone from our team will be sure to connect with you. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. I was reading this. I thought it was uh, really cute. It says, a woman woke up one morning turned to her husband and said, honey, I just had a dream that you bought me a brand new gold necklace. What does that mean? He answered, I don't know, but Valentine's Day is coming soon. Then you'll know. A few nights later, she again woke up after having a dream. She said, this time I dreamed you gave me a pearl necklace. What do you think that means? You'll know on Valentine's Day, he replied. The morning of Valentine's Day, she again woke up telling him about her dream. This time I dreamed that you bought me a diamond necklace. What do you think that means? He says, honey, be patient. You'll know tonight. And that evening, the husband came home with a package and gave it to his wife. And delighted, she opened it and found a book titled The Meaning of Dreams. <laughs> so how many of you can use some improvement when it comes to the subject of love? How many of you could use some, some extra room to level up with love? Well, Peter in our Bibles talks about the ingredients, we like to call them supplements, of what you need to add to your faith so that you can be useful and productive with the life that God has entrusted you on this planet. And so we're in 2 Peter chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can get them out. I'm going to read beginning at verse 3. And if you want to get caught up with the series, you can go online. We have a podcast. You can listen to the messages weekly. But it says this. It says, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. And we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. And these are the promises that enable you to share the divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. And view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises with knowledge and or with moral excellence and with moral excellence knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance and patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So Peter is telling us that there's room for improvement when it comes to how we're living our lives for God on this earth. And so we went into the new year believing that God wants to unleash more in our life, that there's room for more faith, there's room for more God, and obviously there's room for more love. And in this particular chapter, in these verses, there are seven supplements that he mentions, and we're going to cover the last two, and they're both love-based. You might call them the love supplements, all right? So so I don't know what section you would get these at Whole Foods or Sprouts, but, but the love supplements that Peter is telling us we need to take are brotherly affection. Now, your version of the Bible might say brotherly kindness. It might actually say brotherly love. 
But that word in the Greek is a word that you are probably familiar with and you didn't even know. It's the word Philadelphia. Have you heard that word before? How many are Eagles fans? All right. We're not here, just to let you know. All right. We're, we're Rams fans. You're in Rams country. You're not in Eagles country. But the city of brotherly love. We all kind of know that. That's the first word, the brotherly affection. This is Philadelphia, brotherly love or brotherly affection. And then the second one is the word agape. Now, we did a series in the fall where we really dived into this word agape and unpacked it and to see the significance of it. But what we want to do in our time together this morning is we want to look at these two last supplements and talk about how God wants us to level up in our faith. Now, the word Philadelphia, if you're taking notes, the word Philadelphia really means a brotherly or a family affection. It's uh, based on the word phileo, which is another Greek word for love, but it's more of a friendship love. This is the kind of love that we are to have for one another in the church world. This is, this is how we love. We, you know, we call each other's brothers and sisters. I, I like to call, you know, uh, brothers of other mothers and sisters from different misters. All right? I don't know if you ever heard of that. That's just like what I like to say. But, but this is kind of the church life. The church is a family. That's why I like that, that banner. When you come in, it says, welcome home. Because you need to understand, when you're coming in here, we're not, we're, we're not strangers. Yeah, we come from all kinds of different backgrounds, and, and we have all kinds of different experiences. We have all kinds of different personalities. But when we come together at a gathering like this, we're family. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're fam. Just say, you're fam. That's Philadelphia. There, there is a family affection that we are to have if we are to level up with our faith. Now, how many of you know loving family is easier said than done sometimes? I mean, I, I, this is true. I, I looked at, at how, how paradoxical it is that Philadelphia is, is called the city of brotherly love because it is one of the most dangerous cities in America. Did you know this? In 2019, 1,445 people were shot and 356 people were murdered. In Philadelphia, one out of every 25 people were, will be victimized in a violent crime this year. No wonder why Will Smith moved to Bel Air, all right? He got out, he got out of West Philadelphia. <laughs> West Philadelphia is born and raised in a playground. Okay. Some of you got that, all right? Others of you, what's he talking about? You can fill them in later, right? But check this out in verse seven. It says, and godliness with brotherly affection, brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now, I like how Peter puts Philadelphia in front of agape. Now, I believe there's two reasons, and this is my personal belief of why Philadelphia came before agape in this particular passage. Because I look at my own experiences with my life and with, especially with family, and that when you're not loving your family, and we're talking about the family of faith, but I also wanna kind of broaden that out and talk about family, you like your real blood family, is sometimes when you have dysfunctionalism going on with family, it's hard for you to get your mindset out of just family and think about loving other people. How many of you have ever gotten in a fight with a family member and, and been able to just function normally with other people in the world? 
I, I mean, it, it happens in every marriage. You get into a relationship and you get into a marriage and, and you have a fight with your spouse and, and maybe you even had a fight on your way to church. Maybe that's happened before. I, I think the devil moves hardest in marriages on the drive to church. I'm convinced of it. Because he wants to distract you. He wants you to come in here so you don't hear how God is moving through the music. You're, you're not hearing the, the preacher and speaker talk about the things of God because you're so fixed on that fight you had while you were driving here in the morning. And you're not hearing anything because what you're hearing in your head is how you're going to get even once the church service is over. I'm going to get him. I'm going to show her. You're laughing because you know you've had those moments. I'm the pastor. I have too. It's hard when you're the speaker and you have that going on in your head. <laughs> it happens. So I believe that if we're going to love the world well, we got to take a look on how we're loving our family well. And, and as we get this down, it's going to be a lot easier to show agape to the rest of the world. If we have our Philadelphia right, it will be a lot easier to get our agape right. Now, the second thing I, I believe this is why it's listed first is when we don't have our Philadelphia correct, we lose our platform to show agape to anybody else because people in the world are watching how you treat your family. They're watching it. They, they see how, they, they see not, not just your blood family, they see how we as the family of God treat one another. This is why social media is not a good platform for you to vent your opinions because everybody has an opinion and when you vent, you're opening the door for somebody else to give a contrary opinion to yours and pretty soon, you are having this debate online, and I'm not against debating, so to speak, but I have just had too many experiences with social media going very, very badly. And, and I'll never forget this experience, and it taught me so many lessons, and I have probably never uh, put a post like this up ever again, but I, I was listening to all of this talk with this, this one particular Christian fellow. He's an author and he's a speaker and has a large church. And, and he was going on a tirade and, and people were just commenting all over the place. And he was like blasting all of these men of God that I respect that have poured into my life spiritually. And he was putting them all on blast and saying they're, they're not of God and they're terrible humans and blah, blah, blah. And I just kind of felt like Popeye. I was like, that's all I can stand. I can't stand no more. Blah, blah, blah. And I started typing on any of you that listen to this guy, this guy is the most mean hearted guy. Don't follow him. I just, he's a terrible guy. How dare him do this? You know, I get a lot of people are like, I agree with you, pastor. And thank you for bringing this to my attention. It was basically to boycott any of his resources because everybody I was finding out that was getting into this guy's teachings and stuff were kind of going sour uh, and just be, they were all becoming what I call mean Christians. Have you ever met a mean Christian? They're out there. Not at this church, but they're out there. <laughs> and and there, was, there was some guys that got on my page and they started like leaving um, you know, comments about how they didn't agree with me and, and they supported this guy, blah, blah, blah. And, and so I had to go do something and I, and I got back on Facebook like five hours later and there were 300 comments on this uh, post I did. I was like, oh boy, <laughs> I'm afraid to look. And I go to look and I start reading this thread between two guys. One guy was like really, you know, 
pro, I guess, Pastor Jim, and this other guy was pro this other guy. And, and they started off just by disagreeing, but I read the very last words, and they were trying to find a, a time and a space where they could meet together so they could fight like literally, they're like, I'll, I bet you wouldn't say that to my face. Let's meet at three o'clock at this park. And I bet you wouldn't say that to me. I dare you. I triple dog dare you. Christmas story status. Like I'm like reading this going, oh, I have family members that are my friends on Facebook that don't even believe in God yet. Like what, what is their opinion of the church right now? So I hit delete, delete. And I made a vow to myself. I will never post anything negative like that ever again. Because, see, people are watching how we love each other. And whether I agree wholeheartedly with your doctrine or whether I agree wholeheartedly with your approach, I should never come and start this, this public battle that is letting the world know that, hey, if the church can't get their, their, themselves together, how are they supposed to be the hope of the world? But here's the second reason I believe this is why it's listed before um, agape. And it's the words of Jesus himself. Check out what he says. He says in John 13, he says, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples or that you are my followers. They, they will know, Jesus is saying, the world, the, the people that don't believe in God, the people that don't follow God, they will know that you belong to me by how you guys take care of each other. They'll know that you belong to me by how you love one another, not, not by how you take care of the poor, not by how many Bible verses you memorize, not, not by how much you preach to other people. I, I say it this way, brotherly affection is the certificate of authenticity to your faith, for your faith. It, You've seen those commercials, right? With those little mint coins, like, you order it now, 1995. We'll send you a certificate of authenticity that this is a genuine metal whatever. Like, your love for people that you go to church with, your brothers and sisters in Christ, your family of God, that is your certificate of authenticity that your faith is genuine. That's what Jesus is telling us. And we see this organically lived out when the Holy Spirit fell in the early church. It says in Acts chapter four, there was this organic movement. They're filled with the Spirit. They're devoting themselves, as we talked about last week, to prayer and, and to reading the word. And then check it out. In verse 32, it says, and the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own. But all things were common property to them, and with great power to the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and abundant grace was upon them all for there was not a needy person among them for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and lay them at the apostles feet and they would be distributed to each as any had need now there wasn't some rule book that said that when you become a Christian, you're supposed to sell everything that you have so that you can give it all the way to anybody that has need. There wasn't anything like that written or commanded even by God. They just were so overwhelmed with the love of God being poured out to them that they were compelled, if somebody they were talking to said, man, I've got this thing that's going on in my life, they'd be like, okay, wait, time out. Like, we wanna help you, we wanna take care of that. 
What does that look like? You know, maybe I'll, I'll go sell my car and we can put our money together and we can pay off that medical bill that you have. I, I don't know what the needs were, but they were so intentional to make sure that they were taking care of each other. And there was a lot of persecution going on. And so they needed to be there for each other. You know, family was the only kind of resource for people to be able to be taken care of. There was no social service program. There was no welfare system. So if you had a need, you depended on your family to provide for you. And that's exactly what you see happen with the early church. Matter of fact, there are other documents outside of the Bible that vouch for this kind of lifestyle that was happening in the early church. There was a letter, and it's known as the Epistle of Diognetus, and it was written around the year 8 or 130 AD. It's one of the oldest letters that has been preserved. And the argument in this letter is strong for the whole Christian movement. It says, of course God is real. How else could you explain what these guys are willing to do for one another? Tertullian, a Christian writer during the same time period, similarly explained how Romans would look at Christians and say, see how they love one another. I mean, they were standing out by how they were taking care of each other. They were changing the world by how they were loving each other. I mean, that just blows my mind. And as you can imagine, it will be tough to get along with people that are imperfect. And I think we romanticize a lot of times the New Testament church said, oh, they had their act all together. They, they had their, their things all worked out. Of course they loved each other, man. Everything was perfect. No, there's a reason the New Testament talks so much about Philadelphia. Because it's hard to get along well when you are starting to do life with other people that have sin in their life. You take two imperfect people and put them in a relationship together, and you know what that creates? Problems. <laughs> That's what it creates. Those of you that have been married, you know that. I don't care how much you, you go to the altar saying that you love that person, eventually in that marriage, there's going to be problems. Why? Because you're both sinners. You both have things in your life that you're trying to work out, and when, the closer that we get to each other, the harder it becomes to continue to love each other. See, sometimes it feels like it's easier to love strangers than it is our own family members, isn't it? Uh, we, we circle up as guys every Saturday morning. We call it the bro study. And at the Bible study a couple weeks ago, one of the guys was, was saying, he goes, have you, have you noticed that it's easier to be more kind to a stranger than it is to a family member? And one of the guys in our group, I, I wrote this down. He says, of course it is. A stranger isn't asking me for things all the time like a family member is. <laughs> Couldn't stop laughing, man. Because <laughs> he just spoke from his heart. When people are needy, we're like, hey, I, I, can, I can only stand you a little while. You're asking too much of me. <laughs> I'm going to go the other way right now. So it's easier sometimes with strangers to be able to be nice. It, you know, when you start getting to know people, you start letting your guard down a little bit and you kind of start taking the filter out a little bit. You know, you, you would never to a stranger, a new person that you're just meeting with, go to dinner and say, man, you're crunching your chips way too loud, man. It's irritating me. <laughs> stop chomping your ice. But what do we do with family? Oh, stop it. Like, you're, you're a loud chewer. Go in the other room. <laughs> At least that's what we do in our family. I'm the loud chewer. My kids always tell me. But if I go to dinner with you, you probably wouldn't say anything to me. You know, you're like, oh, I can't tell Pastor Jim. But see, family, we, we, tend, we tend to let our guard down. 
and then it can get messy really quick. And I've been a part of the church world for 30 years and I've seen people be offended. I've seen people get annoyed and I've seen people get hurt because they have been intentional to put themselves in this position to be a brother and a sister for another person that they aren't necessarily related to. And, and if you're not careful, that hurt, that annoyance, that offense that, that you take in pushes you away from the very organism that God has created to nurture you and level you up for your faith. So how do we add Philadelphia to our lives? I believe the other four uses in the New Testament where it uses the word Philadelphia gives us insight. Write this down. Write these verses down. We're going to go through them really quickly. But here's the first verse. This is the other use of Philadelphia. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 9 and 10. It says, Now as to the love of the brethren, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to love one another. For indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. So Paul's writing to the Thessalonian church saying, Hey, you guys are pretty good lovers, but there's always room to love people a little bit better. And you might brand yourself as a, you love people, people pretty well. I'm here to tell you the same thing that the Apostle Paul is telling you, that there's room for you to do a little bit better in this area. Would you agree with me? That that you can do a little bit better. But here's what, what Thessalonians is telling us, and write this down. Here's the first one. Remember how God loves you. It says, remember how God, God taught you to love this way. And how did God teach us to love this way? By loving us that way. He taught us in the Bible, but he taught our own souls that when we were an enemy to God, God still loved us. Look at this in Romans chapter five, verse eight. It says, for God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So so here's here's the crazy part. We've offended God. We've annoyed God. We've hurt God by the things that we've done in our life. And you know what God's done in response to that? He's saying, I love you. Matter of fact, nothing you do can keep my love from you. No, no heights, nor deaths, nor any other creative thing can keep you away from my love. You've offended God. You've annoyed God. You've hurt God. But you know what? God still presses in anyway and says, I love you anyway, and I'm still going to keep pursuing you. And because we are used to being loved like this, and when we receive this love, it's easier to love other people because we know how that love feels like. Can I give you a word from God this morning? Some of you, the best thing that you could do this week is take a step back from whatever's going on in your life and, and reflect on how crazy in love God is with you. He's in love with you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he is so in love with you. It doesn't matter that you're a mess. Matter of fact, I believe that the more messed up we are, the more God so loves us. Because he goes, they need a little bit of extra scoop of that love because they're really messed up. This, this is our mantra. And the more we embrace this love, the more that we accept this love that God has for us and, and we're okay with it. And the devil wants to reject God's love because if you can't feel the, the love that God has for you, it's gonna be so much more difficult for you to love other people. You gotta first experience that love that God has for you. Some of you are far from God. And today, God is using this message to zero in on you, to tell you that he loves you. 
and he wants to be in your life. He wants to be your master, your Lord, your shot caller to, to, to manage your life. And let me tell you, he's a way better manager of your life than you could ever be. That's just the way it is. Remember how God loves you. And, and here's the second verse that we want to cover. And this is the, leads us to the second point. First Peter 1.22, the, the second usage of the word Philadelphia. It says, now that by your obedience to the truth, you have purified yourselves and have come to have a sincere love for other believers. Love one another earnestly with all your heart. There, there's a level of obedience that comes in on this. So, so first, you remember that God loves you. That's going to help you love other people. But then there's this act of obedience that, that you have to choose to love. This is something that you choose to do, where you push back your feelings, because our feelings get us in trouble, don't they? Some of the, the feels that we have going on in our life, these feels that, that are there and they feel so real, your feelings are real, but they aren't necessarily right. And, and if you aren't careful and you listen to these feelings and start making life choices or life decisions based on your feelings, your life can get into a very, very bad situation quickly. So there has to be this obedience that steps in to say, okay, God has given me everything I need to live a godly life, so I just need to work out what God has worked in, and I just need to say, Jesus, command. This wasn't a suggestion to love people. Jesus said, commandment. So there are times that you're gonna be asked to do things that you don't feel like doing. Tomorrow morning, you're gonna wake up and say, I don't feel like going to work. I don't know. Maybe that's you. I don't know. But what are you going to do? You're going to say, but I need to go to work because I need a paycheck. So I'm going to make myself get up and go to work. Why? Because if I don't work, then I don't eat. <laughs> the, the bottom line is I got, I've got to be obedient. It's a choice. And I'm telling you right now, choose to love. Fight those feelings right now that are, are wanting you to push that person away and get away from people and just isolate yourself and get alone because that way nobody can hurt you. I'm telling you, that is the worst possible thing you can do. Don't trust your feelings. They are there to sabotage your life most of the time. Be obedient to God. Here's the third verse, Hebrews 13, 1. It says, let brotherly love, let Philadelphia continue. That's the word continue. The Passion Translation says, no matter what, turn to your neighbor right now and say, no matter what, that's the continue part. No matter what, make room in your heart to love every believer. That's an interesting word, that, that word continue there. Because it, it gives us this idea. Uh, it's a, kind of a passive word. It's not an aggressive, active word. This word really is, is to give you a, like a word picture. It's like being in the ring. And it's being in a fight. And it's telling you, don't get out of the ring. Don't, don't throw in the towel. Keep fighting. Keep going. Make it happen. Because at some point in your journey, God is going to flip the script. And what the enemy meant for evil, God is going to use for good. I, I'm declaring that right now. There is a terrible situation right now in your life. And I'm telling you, don't get out of the ring. What the enemy meant for evil, God is in the process right now of turning around and making good. Hang in there. Turn your neighbor right now and say, hang in there says, let brotherly love continue. Don't give up on loving someone. That's our third point. And, and here's the final one. Romans 12, 9 and 10. Are you guys still with me? Yeah. 
All right, Romans 12, 9 and 10. Let love be without hypocrisy. And I, and I love how the New Living Translation says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. <laughs> Come on, let's be honest. Sometimes we were pretending like, oh, how are you? I can't stand that person right now. Be devoted to one another and brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. That word give preference is interesting. It means to lead the way for others. I see this word as being like a competitive term. Any of you, when you get into a race, you like to be in first place? Anyone have that drive going, hey, if I'm gonna sign up for that, I'm gonna win. So what, what this is telling us is that when, when we are loving people, we should position ourselves that we're gonna love in such a way that we're gonna get ahead of the pack so that the rest of the people will know how to love properly. So it's saying that, that this kind of Philadelphia, if you lining yourself up with, can the other rest of the people that are behind you, will they know how to love people well? If they use you as a model for how to love people, will they have a good model to follow? So if you were the only person that somebody could study to know what it means to love another human being, would people be able to walk away and say, this, this, is, this is a really loving person? I don't know. We, it, we gotta take that inventory. We gotta look at this really thoroughly. But here's the fourth point. Be the example for others to follow. Be the example for others to follow. If you're growing in Philadelphia, here's what's gonna happen you're gonna be generous in giving and helping. Your, your phone number is gonna be available for somebody to call you at 3 a.m. without you cussing them out when they call you at 3 a.m. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you're gonna be there, you're gonna be like, of course you're gonna call me at 3 a.m. because I'm your battle buddy. Why wouldn't you call me at 3 a.m.? You're in trouble. Like, I love you. And I, you are not to go through this by yourself. Philadelphia exists to help your life. And sometimes helping your life means you helping somebody else in their life. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed, the, the book of Proverbs tells us. You, you'll be more generous with, with other people that maybe in the past you judged them too quickly. You're gonna be more gracious. When, when you're living in Philadelphia, when you gather at a church service like this on a Sunday, you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna be like, I wonder, I wonder if somebody today has a need in their life. And so you're gonna come in here like Mission Impossible. Um, like my friend Aaron said, treasure hunt. I like that. It's like you're gonna be on a treasure hunt. You're gonna come into church going, I wonder if there's somebody in here that has a need that I'm supposed to help them fill that need. Every week when we come into church, can you imagine what kind of church we would have if that's the kind of church and how we approach coming into our gathering or going into your life group and saying, I wonder what we can do. Let, let me tell you, there's some people here that have medical bills that would probably bankrupt most of us. Well, what if as a church, we, we heard somebody going through something and we said, you know what, we're gonna, we can't pay that bill off ourselves. But, but what if our whole life group got together? What, what if like we, we took up a collection at church and, and we helped pay that bill off? Can you imagine the word leaking out to your employer or where you, where you work and say, yeah, it was crazy. I had a $10,000 medical bill and the church, I didn't even ask them. The church just got together. They paid off my $10,000 debt. I'm telling you, people would be like, what's the name of your church? I got, I got some bills. <laughs> but I'm telling you, 
We could live this kind of life. And I believe that God sent Tara and I to this valley to build this kind of a church. The church that Jesus always envisioned and imagined when we read our Bibles. Well, what if you, if you look at this, what if somebody needed a job and all of us said, you know what, tomorrow morning we are on a search for, for helping Joe get a job. We're on a search to help Sarah get a job. And we're just going to go for it until we find them a job. How about, I just thought of this last service, just like I thought out loud, I don't know. What if every time we got together, we, we did something, we said, we're not leaving until we invite somebody to go to lunch with us. People we don't know. Maybe people that look totally different than us and just like get to know their story. Maybe God has a, a, a divine connection for us. What if every time we came to church, and especially second service, because y'all are hungry right now for lunch. <laughs> what if you just said, every Sunday, we, we're going to ask a different couple to go out, call it the lunch ministry, where you just take them out and just like love people that way. Let, let me tell you, word would get out quick. I think it already is, as you can see. <laughs> we need a third service. Um, but it would be another level. People would go, what church are you? That's crazy. You guys actually have church like that where you guys like really love each other? Yeah. That's what the Bible tells us to do. It's Philadelphia. We need some help. Because as we're growing, we need more people to greet people as they're coming in. This is what I've discovered in 30 years of being a part of the church. When people come to church, their life isn't always together. Matter of fact, most of the time, people are more hurting than they are together. Most of the time, people are more wounded than they are healed. And they're coming in here, and they're bandaged up, they're bleeding. And, and we want to have a church where before they even get seated in the service, they have felt so loved. Before the worship even starts, before the message is even given, they're like, wow, this church just loved me. If, if we could have another 10 people in the parking lot, in, in the, the breezeway, just there, we don't have to like, you know, you, you know hey, you know, tell me, unpack your whole life story, but just to be there and say, I care about you and I see you. I have been visiting other churches in the past where I've been able to come into church and sit in the message and go through a whole service and go out to my car and not one person even acknowledged that I was there. I have felt invisible. I know that feeling. Let me tell you, that will never happen to you at Atmosphere Church. Matter of fact, we might be accused on the other side going, they're just too much. <laughs> Scotty and his hugs and everyone like, just like, I don't know about those people. I'd rather be accused on that side. But if, if you don't like hugs, we, we will respect your space, all right? Just hold out your hand. You're just like, we'll high five you, all right? My dad's not a hugger, so I respect that. But here's, here's the, the last point. That, that, that's Philadelphia. Here's the last point. It's agape. And I, I'm almost out of time here. But what agape does is it takes the needle or takes the dial for love, and, and Peter has it on eight, and he, he's going to turn it to 11. He's going to say, yeah, it's, it's one thing to get along with people that maybe said something that was offensive to you or annoyed you or hurt you. He says, but, but we're going to teach you a whole new level of love. It's called agape love. This is, this is an unconditional love. This is no strings attached kind of love. And this is the love that Jesus spoke most about. And this is the love that God loves you with. And this is the love that he is calling us to love other people with. And it's found in Luke chapter six. This is a, an interesting passage of the Bible because here we learn what agape love means. It, it means not just loving family members and, and loving people that are lovely to us. 
Jesus is calling us to love people that are acting very unlovely towards us. In Luke 6, verse 31, it says, and just as I, just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. This is the golden rule. Treat others like you want to be treated. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the most high for he is kind God is kind to the unthankful and the evil listen to what he's saying he's saying love the people that are unlovable love the people that actually can't stand you he's saying love them and and with if they borrow something from you hope that they don't pay you back when's the last time somebody borrowed 200 bucks from you and you thought to yourself man I hope they don't pay me back I don't know if any of us would say we've done that. But this is, this is the kind of love. The agape love is like, hey, here it is. This is, how, this is how God loves you. And so this is how we are to love people. And this kind of love is not ambiguous. It's not a vague term because the Bible defines what this love looks at when it's sorted out in our life. And we read about it in what's called infamously the love chapter of the Bible. It's found in 1 Corinthians 13. We did a whole series about it back in the fall. You've probably read this, uh, you know, or you've heard it read at a wedding ceremony that you've attended, but check this out. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful, not proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wrong. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures uh, through every circumstance. So this is what I want to do. We're going to play a little game with you. We're going to take away the word love, and we're going to put blank spaces in here. This is, this is turning the dial to 11. But God is calling us to love people with agape love. So, so our love towards people should look like this. So what I want you to do is I want you to play a game with me. I want you to put your name in those blank spaces and see how you're doing with this agape love. If, if you want to level up in your faith, we got to press into this agape love more. So, so here's how you do it. I'm going to insert my name. Jim is patient and kind. I'm already in trouble right now. Just, just a first <laughs> sentence. I'm in trouble. Jim is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Jim does not demand his own way. Jim is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. Jim does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Jim never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This is, this is the love that God has called us to live out. This is the kind of love that we are compelled to do. Ephesians 5.2, I'm gonna have the band come up. Ephesians 5.2, it says, live a life filled with love following the example of Jesus. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. When you are intentional about living out the agape love, do you know you are a fragrant aroma to God's nostrils? Have you ever walked up to somebody that smells really good? They, they sprayed some perfume or some cologne on and you just want to hug them like a second longer. Just, mm, that smells good. <laughs> I've done that. Let, let me tell you, when, when you're loving God's most valuable possession, you know what happens? 
you are giving off an aroma to God that he's like, man, I like how Zach is smelling right now. He's smelling really good. (laughs) Check this out. Colossians 3 says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must, you must, you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. I will admit, as we close, I will admit this is easier said than done. I've had a a friend that has been in my life for the last 10 years that went rogue on me about six months or a year ago. It's probably been the the toughest battle that I faced in in the area of friendship because he was my brother. And for some reason, he just turned. And a part of me wanted to press the pause button of being a Christian and just like, God, just, just, can I just press pause and just step aside from my Christianity and, and just punch this guy in the face as hard as I can just once and then I'll press play again. And I'll, <laughs> I'll just be real with you. I just, I, I had that temptation because it just, it, it brought some stuff up that was really ugly inside of me. But then I realized that all of us are going to be put to a test to some degree or another where this is a perfect opportunity to sprinkle some agape love. So I actually text him and I said, you know, the Bible says before I bring my offering to God, I have to first go to my brother that has offense against me and I need to reconcile with him. And he responded and it was a, a beautiful situation out of a, out of a very, very gnarly situation. But I I give you that example to tell you what breakthrough might be happening in your life if you can just press in to this Philadelphia and even greater press into this agape. Listen to what uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said two months before he was killed. He was given a a sermon at Ebenezer Baptist Church. This is what he said. He, He was preaching this message talking about the eulogy that would one day be read at his funeral. He says, every now and then, I guess we all think realistically about that day when we will be victimized with what is life's final common denominator. That's something we call death. We all think about it and every now and then I think about my own death and I think about my own funeral and I don't think about it in a morbid sense. And every now and then I ask myself what it is that I would want said and I leave the word to you this morning. If any of you are around when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long. (laughs) And every now and then, I wonder what I want him to say. Tell him not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That's not important. Tell him not to mention that I have three or 400 other awards. That's not important. Tell him not to mention where I went to school. I like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King Jr. tried to love somebody. The legacy that we think of when we think of Martin Luther King Jr. is a man that tried to love somebody. And I'm telling you, if we're intentional to add 
Philadelphia and agape to our life. We're going to level up in our faith. And I'm telling you, the promise of God and the breakthrough from God is going to come. But it's not going to be easy. That means that you have to forgive. That means you have to be kind. That means that you have to look past an offense. That means you have to lean into people that maybe in the moment you're not got all the feels for. But you're going to love them anyway. Why? Because that, my friend, is a legacy that you want to live. And more importantly, that is what smells really, really good in heaven. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.